Tensions continue to rise near Jingmen County following an incident in February in which two Chinese fishers died while being pursued by Chinese Taiwanese Coast Guards. Residents of the county reported seeing four PRC Coast Guard ships enter the county's restricted waters on different occasions over two days last week. Taiwanese officials say they'll continue to safeguard the island's waters. Let's hear from a scholar. They are trying to turn the Taiwan Strait and the waters around Jinmen into their own waters and declare their sovereignty over Taiwan. It is obvious that China is deliberately trying to engage in political manipulation. In fact, we in Taiwan really hope that we can solve the problem through de-escalation and reducing what would be a major issue to something insignificant. In response to the deaths of the Chinese fishers, Taiwanese and Chinese representatives held a closed-door meeting for the 15th time on Sunday. However, it was reported that the two sides could not reach an agreement over the interpretation of the word collision, and nothing was resolved during the meeting. The legislature's Internal Affairs Committee said it had asked Ocean Affairs Council Minister Guan Bi Ling and Mainland Affairs Council Minister Chiu Tai San to report on the incident on Monday. New progress has been reported on the production of stealthy corvettes being built for the Navy. The Tojiang class ships first went into operation in 2015, and production of the ships has been ramped up. The vessels are expected to strengthen Taiwan's asymmetric combat capabilities in the event of conflict with China. The ship's speed, stealthiness and firepower have earned it the moniker Killer of Aircraft Carriers, and the Navy says it will complement its existing ships to facilitate a multi-layered defense. Domestically produced patrol ships, the Tajiang and the Tojiang, were launched as prototypes along with a third vessel, the Fujiang, in 2024 and entered service with the Navy the following year. Reports say that the Tojiang-class stealthy corvette that the three ships represent has now gone into regular production and that two more ships will be completed by the end of March. The Tojiang-class ship has a displacement of only 685 tons and a maximum speed of 40 knots, or about 74 kilometers per hour. The vessel can be equipped with the Xiongfeng-2 and the Xiongfeng-3 medium-range supersonic missile systems and the Haijian-2 anti-aircraft missile system. It is also equipped with 76mm naval gun turrets and phalanx fast guns, as well as various radar systems, including the STIR and the CB systems, among others. Defense officials say that these weapons and radar systems, combined with the ship's stealth design, make it a formidable tool for defense and combat. The ship's combat systems are based on a combat training system developed by the Zhongshan Institute of Science and Technology to connect to the BI radar. This phased array radar has relatively good detection capabilities, and its visual range is about 60 kilometers. It can detect low-altitude cruise missiles, anti-ship missiles, drones, and low-visibility targets. Including the three prototypes, the military has plans for 12 of the corvettes to be built in total. Two of those 12, the Shujiang and Wujiang, have been handed over and are waiting to be put into commission, while two others, the Anjiang and Wanjiang, will be delivered by the end of March. 
Construction on the remaining five corvettes is expected to start in March, with plans for the ships to be handed over to the military as early as 2026. The strategic design of the ships is clearly intended to deal with threats that could potentially emerge in 2027, so the pace of construction of the ships has also been hastened. With the advantages in speed and firepower these ships demonstrate, they can effectively supplement the air defense of the Navy's first-class ships. In this way, the ships will help create comprehensive air defenses while simultaneously exerting firepower through their anti-ship missile systems. The defense expert says the military is preparing to meet a potential threat from China in 2027. Part of those preparations is to focus on asymmetric warfare capabilities that will allow Taiwan's military to use smaller defense resources for larger gain. In a recent interview by News X, a leading English news channel based in India, Minister of Foreign Affairs Joseph Wu talked about tensions in the Taiwan Strait. He said that all democracies must stand together to prevent the expansion of authoritarianism. Here is an excerpt. The democracies have no escape but to work further with each other in order to prevent uh, authoritarianism from expanding further. China has been uh, targeting Taiwan to apply a lot of military pressure economic coercion, and also hybrid warfare, gray zone activities, and all that. Uh, but other than Taiwan, China has also been threatening Japan, especially in the East China Sea. China has also been threatening the integrity of the South China Sea, especially uh, with the Philippines. Following the interview in which Wu was introduced as Foreign Minister of Taiwan ROC, China criticized the news outlet, saying it had violated the so-called one China principle. Chinese officials demanded the interview be taken down, but their demands were ignored by NewsX. Taiwan's foreign ministry also responded, saying that only Taiwan's elected officials had the right to represent the people of Taiwan and that China had no say on the matter. Now for a spotlight on Le Clef d'Or, the world's most prestigious association of hotel concierges. Known for their lapel badges formed of two crossed keys, the proud members take service seriously. They undergo a rigorous test to join the association, after which they benefit from an immense wealth of shared professional expertise. Currently, 22 concierges in Taiwan are members of the International Association. We spoke to a few and heard some of their most outrageous stories of exceptional service. A car pulls up at the hotel and the concierge is on hand straight away to open the door, unload luggage and attend to every detail. You can take him any difficulty and he'll pull out a pen and paper to solve everything. He can provide a list of eateries, book concert tickets and even put out a missing person notice. No impossible task is too much for a concierge who belongs to Le Clef d'Or. Two years ago, I served a guest who was of Singaporean nationality. He had never been to Taiwan before, so he asked me to design him an itinerary traveling from Taichung to Nanto and visiting Sun Moon Lake. I planned everything perfectly for him, from getting the HSR and coaches to reaching Nanto and Sun Moon Lake. A customer told me out of the blue that he wanted to go to a restaurant that's hard to get a table for. I managed to get him a table within one hour, and I arranged his transport. 
Members of Le Clef d'Or share experiences and resources with one another, but getting these two lapel badges is not easy. You have to have worked in a hotel lobby for five years, served in the concierge department for three years, and be vouched for by two existing members of the association to be eligible to take the written and spoken tests. The character needed is probably to like going out and about or like absorbing a diverse range of disparate information. Sometimes when we get a question from a guest or need to find them a solution, we would need a database of knowledge from many different sources. Another thing is you cannot be shy. There are currently 22 members of Le Clef d'Or in Taiwan. It's the most prestigious qualification for a concierge, indicating a consummate ability to make the hotel feel like a home from home. Just over 20 years ago, Taiwan passed an amendment to the Copyright Act in a bid to help artists and musical creators obtain royalties from their works. At the time, it was hailed as a milestone that would protect musicians and promote cultural development. But over the years, it's become clear that the act has side effects harmful to Taiwan's music scene. Overzealous copyright holders have found ways to abuse the system and collect extortionate licensing fees from small businesses and individuals. Those who do follow the law find themselves grappling with paperwork and hefty fees. All in all, critics say the act has forced music out of Taiwan's public spaces. Our Sunday special report. Colorful lights and an enticing beat get dancers on the floor. The dance hall at this club is where people can let go of their stress by singing to their heart's content. But the once carefree gatherings have changed over the past decade. Every now and then, a stranger will burst in and accuse the revelers of copyright infringement. One time, they came in saying that their company had a copyright on the music and that we hadn't obtained a license. They asked us what we would do about it. So I told them that from that, we would purchase a license from them. We also paid them 60,000 NT in compensation for the song that we were playing. It may seem that music can be listened to and played freely, but that is not the case. In the year 2000, an amendment to the Copyright Act gave music creators, record labels, and copyright management groups the right to collect licensing fees. The revision was aimed at protecting the intellectual property of creators, but it's inadvertently caused big headaches for music lovers. They came in and asked me to lend them the book with the list of songs. I handed it over. Then they said, oh, this song. I asked them what was wrong with this song. At the time, they said it was nothing. Later, they called out other people over and they asked to see the owner. Only then did they say that we were not allowed to use the song and that we had to pay a fine. A similar thing happened to a seafood restaurant near here. Reps from a copyright company went to the restaurant and requested a song. I remember it perfectly. The title was Xiao Wei. They owned the rights to the song, so the company took the restaurant to court and demanded a settlement of 600,000 NT. A fine of 600,000 NT could bring a small business to an end. The copyright rules have also affected the livelihoods of singing teachers. 
同业的老师，就是因为也是被版权所抓。A teacher in this line of work was caught by a copyright owner and had to stop teaching. The fine was more than 300,000 NT. Being unaware of the law does not exempt violators from fines, but some copyright owners have turned to abusing the protections by fishing for victims to claim compensation. 像我们街头艺人是第在外面唱，曾经被锁定了。好，那当然另外就小型店家嘛。Street performers singing outside have been targeted before, as well as small businesses like beauty salons or even clothing shops. People show up at the door and say, "You have to pay to play the music." They'll say it's 5,000 NT per month or whatever, and that if you don't cough up, they'll sue you, and you'll end up paying thousands of dollars. 当你讲这个钓鱼的方式哈，早年很有用，啊，我是收证人员，我故意保了。That kind of fishing strategy you mentioned was very useful early on. To collect evidence for a case, people could just request a copyrighted song and take a video and photos, so that the violator would have no way to escape. Such copyright disputes aren't just limited to individuals and small businesses. Media outlets and online platforms have also been caught up in the storm. In 2022, a variety program called the Bing Bing Show was asked to pay 60 million NT in licensing fees. Users should pay, but just how much is a reasonable fee? 歌曲都会分成，呃。音乐著作的著作权，那就是词曲创作那个部分。那另外就是呃录音著作的著作权。Songs are actually two kinds of copyrighted works. One is the musical work, that is the composition and lyrics. The other is the sound recording. It's usually not too difficult to obtain a license for sound recordings because all the rights are concentrated in a few entities. You can often do it via the record label or the distributor. So platforms and users can reach out to the record label or the distributor to obtain a license and negotiate the relevant fees. 利用别人的作品就必须要取得同意或授权，就表示要付钱的意思。If you want to use other people's works, you have to ask for permission or obtain a license. That is, you have to pay. But different kinds of users may incur different kinds of fees. Public broadcasts, public transmissions, and public performances are three different kinds of uses. Reproduction is yet another kind of use. Obtaining licenses for a song and paying the relevant fees can't be a complicated process. Several copyright associations have formed in Taiwan to defend the rights and interests of music creators. There are five such associations in Taiwan. So if you want to get a license to broadcast, transmit, and perform the work in public, both for the musical work and the sound recording, you need to discuss the matter with all five associations. Every year, radio and television stations sign blanket license agreements with the associations. If you upload the program to YouTube, you'd have to also obtain reproduction rights. But the associations do not deal with reproduction rights. Although television and radio stations pay high fees every year, they still sometimes encounter legal troubles. Several programs, including the Bing Bing Show, have been forced to shut down over the years due to exorbitant licensing fees. The variety show The Golden Age faced the same fate, 
as did a popular radio music show hosted by Mickey Huang. Copyright disputes have dealt a big blow to major media outlets as well as private users. There are so many fees that it has all become a big burden for music teachers. It creates concerns, making them less willing to take on students. Of all the countries in the world, Taiwan likes singing the most. Although it's neither unreasonable nor illegal to ask users to pay for music licenses, complicated application procedures and the risk of pricey disputes have slowly forced music out of public spaces. Huanzhong East Road had a dozen singing parlors in its golden age. There was also lots of places along Huaxun Street, Xinjiang North Road and Zhongshan East Road. But now almost all of them have shut down because they can't pay the licensing fees. Join and download today to start exploring. Copyright issues don't just cause headaches in Taiwan. In the era of online streaming, licensing has become a major legal issue in countries all around the world. In 2018, the U.S. passed the Music Modernization Act. The bill aimed to lower the cost of licensing songs and expand upon the rights of music creators to benefit both copyright owners and users. If you wanted to compile all the music onto one platform, you'd have to obtain licenses one by one from each of the copyright holders. That came with high administrative costs. The Copyright Act of the past wasn't able to meet those needs, and that's why the U.S. introduced the new Music Modernization Act. The main effect was that it made the licensing process less difficult and it lowered costs, so that people or platforms that want to use the music can do so fully. Article 1 of Taiwan's Copyright Act states that the bill was enacted for the purpose of promoting the development of national culture. But the reality is that acquiring licenses to use any song requires engaging in many negotiations and paying multiple fees. Critics say this cumbersome and expensive process is detrimental for cultural development, but the government says it all comes down to market mechanisms. Meanwhile, the number of music programs is on the decline, and music is no longer played at department stores, cafes, or public spaces such as train stations. Even street performers are afraid of singing in public. I know a lot of music creators, including people who are just starting out and people creating music online. What they want is for the songs that they are writing to be heard everywhere. Imagine if you were strolling around the pedestrian area in Xini District, or walking along the calligraphy greenway in Taichung, and everything was silent. No music playing. It's detrimental to the growth of the music industry and the development of urban art in cities. Taiwan's Copyright Act has been in effect for more than 20 years now. Though well-intentioned, it has given rise to an endless string of licensing disputes. Critics say the bill has driven music away from society. 
When I was still a student, I often went to Zhonghua Market in Taipei. I could walk along the street from the first block to the last, while hearing the entirety of Qi Qin's Yuan Lai De Wa. On the way back, I could listen to Dave Wong's Forget About You, Forget About Me. Music was our companion during our student days. I hope these copyright associations can think about this. If tomorrow the works by all these artists were to disappear from the streets of Taiwan, would their music continue to be passed down? As music players shut off and street performers go quiet on the streets, is Taiwan destined to become a society living in silence? Only time will tell. While the weather of late has been a real roller coaster ride, with the influence of a strong continental cold air mass and an eastward moving rain system from southern China, snow began to fall on Taiwan's highest peak, Yushan, at 10 a.m. on Saturday, and the low temperatures lasted into Sunday morning. At 7 o'clock Sunday morning, the weather station on Yushan recorded minus 7.9 degrees with one centimeter of snow accumulation. The sun came out in the morning, leading to good visibility and rising temperatures. Such is the changeable spring weather of Taiwan. As the cold air mass weakened, it warmed up in the second half of Sunday. High temperatures in the north are expected to hit 30 degrees on Tuesday. However, another wave of cold airs is expected to arrive Wednesday evening, and the coldest period will occur on Thursday and Friday. With high temperatures in the north to be no more than 15 degrees and the highs in central and southern regions will be around 20 degrees. The mercury is not expected to rise until Saturday. 